0: Hello, this is Pastor Ken Goodrich from Palm Ministries. Welcome to our Palmcast. We hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Pastor Ken Goodrich from the First Presbyterian Church in Lake City, Florida. I am humbled that you have taken the time out of today and allowed the Holy Spirit to move you to visit with us. Today's lesson comes to us from the Gospel of Mark, Chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. Now, every major world crisis brings its share of books and preachers describing the events as evidence that the signs of the book of the Revelation are being fulfilled. The desire for them to use apocalyptic prophecies concerning the end of time to make sense of traumatic upheavals in the world remains a significant temptation for many Christians. Jesus provides the fundamental response to even those who come in his name. The end of time is not signaled by such events. Christians should remember that they have only one concern, and that is giving the testimony to the gospel of Jesus Christ, period. Apocalyptic prophecies do not constitute the the testimony about which Jesus speaks. Jesus reminds the disciples of what their task is, It too is to preach the good news of the gospel. And we know that the disciples can expect persecution and even death. Division within families, which include brother betraying brother, are evident in the divisions in Jesus' own family, and even in Jesus' family of the disciples, since one of them will betray Jesus. Jesus now calls on us, you and I, to live and preach like we were dying, As Charles Dickens from A Tale of Two Cities said, It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. Maybe it was the text for today. Maybe it was all the folks that are in the hospital. Maybe it was all the angst that hovers around and above us. I don't know. But this message has morphed more times than I would like to admit. It does not feel. It does not look. It does not sound like anything of my original thoughts. Not even close. I found myself walking around this week outside of the church and really looking at people, listening to them, observing them those that were passing by me in the grocery store, those driving beside me on the highway, filling my news feed, yes, filling my news feed, walking in the hallways of the hospitals, seeing patients, nurses, doctors, workers, greeters, and family members. I tried to really see them. I tried to look beneath the surface of the facade that they wore to imagine the invisible burdens that they might be carrying beneath it. Sick children, relational collapse, financial tension, crippling depression, profound grief, crisis of faith, loss of purpose, or maybe just the multitude of the nagging insecurities and the fears that they've been carrying around since high school, or perhaps even earlier, and have never, ever been able to shake it. As I looked at these folks, I wondered what kind of specific and personal hell and battles they might be enduring or trying to weather. And it reminded me, so I'm reminding you, that the end is closer than you think. Although the timing is different for each and every one of us, life is stunningly short, and it is eggshell fragile. One Sunday you sit in the pew, perhaps smiling, joking, or stoic, perhaps you're even sad, and the next morning you lie in ICU, with your life hanging by a thread and envisioning that the world, your world, is coming to an end. Your world is in turmoil, and perhaps your end of time is approaching quicker than you can imagine. I met most people's eyes this week and and felt the realization that most people were having a really tough time. Deep down, the folks are almost always in more pain than I, or perhaps you and I, think they are. Everyone is doing the very best they can to get through the day, and many are going through all manners of horrors in the process. Many are just going through the process. No one is immune from the disturbing collateral damage of living. As we engage the folks in their personal end of times, the task at hand is that you don't have to save them. You don't have to fix them. You All they want is you to be there. They want no special recognition. They are rarely asking for such things. They, they need these things of just the simple touch, the smile. But the thing these wounded and weary, weary human beings most need from you and me are to share a personal space with them and to listen. It might be holding a hand as they go through the battle, a, a hug, it might be even a smile, a glance. Oh, yes, a glance. You know, I I was reminded by a person I met at a party who had broken her leg and had been in a wheelchair for months. It was then that she noticed that people avoided eye contact with her. She realized that she was now different. Now, a broken leg is not contagious, but she felt like she had the plague. People avoided her. What hurt her the most was even her friends did all of this. Now, when I heard her story, I wondered about it. Did I do that? Then I made a conscious effort, a conscious effort in the hospital and the stores and the public places to look folks that were in wheelchairs in the eye, to engage them with my eyes and lean down to their eye level. And lo and behold, I received a smile back each time. Most of the time, after that smile, came a pleasant and even welcoming hello. Jesus tells his disciples who marvel at the beautiful, imposing temple, that same temple and scribal system that he's been railing against, that even an institution, and edifice that big, And that established and that powerful will not stand forever. All will be thrown down. All? All. What does that mean? What does that mean, Jesus? To include all. The temple, yes. That fell in 72. But everything else, governments, places, palaces, military forts, impressive corporate headquarters, historic landmarks, will all be thrown down. Why? When? How? To what end? What remains? What comes next? Like the disciples who pull Jesus aside in Mark's Gospel, I too have a lot of questions about the predicted end of times. We are not all that different from Peter, James, John, and Andrew, who asked Jesus, when will this be? How will we know that this will be accomplished? Jesus then begins his sermon with a warning Don't go astray. Don't believe messianic impersonators. Jesus warns, don't be led astray. And then he goes straight to the scary and apocalyptic calamities. And he calmly lays out the certain upheaval to come. Wars, civil wars, natural disasters, famine. But don't be alarmed, he admonishes. Wars, civil wars, natural disasters, famine. Check, check, check. I can read the headlines and I can spin the globe on any given day and see Jesus' signs of the end of times emblazoned in print or in pixels. I must confess, sometimes even I am alarmed. Even if these are the birth pangs of the new life, the new era, the new God thing on the horizon, I am alarmed. I have no idea if these are signs of the end of times. I don't. And if anyone particularly a pastor, tells you they do, oh, friends, run away as fast as you can. But but, what are you saying, Jesus? We Christians have been waiting and guessing for a very long time. We've been in labor for millennia with no pain relief in sight. All has not been thrown down. How, Jesus, can we not be alarmed? I I believe that we Christians have missed Jesus' point. I believe that today, this very moment, is the right time to realize that our focus needs to be on God and neighbor. I believe all the angst that is being felt is because we have taken our eye off the prize. We have become distracted. There is one extracting truth. The end is coming, and the end is coming for us all. We are all dying Always have and always will be. But the good news is, we don't need to worry about it. We need not be concerned about it. We know not when. We know not how. We know not where. What we know is that we have this moment to love, to care for, to nurture, to live like today is the day. It's the only day. And we need not fear whatever the time, date, or year is. Because our Savior, Jesus Christ, assures us that we will be with Him in paradise. Friends, as we travel our pathways of life, we may be with family, friends, acquaintances, associates, and strangers. Most of those folks carry a burden that we cannot see or even know of. I ask you have you lived life like you were dying? one last word one last lesson one last act of kindness one last the philadelphia phillies won their first world series in nineteen eighty when tug mcgraw struck out willie wilson tug instantly became a hero a celebrity and a household name in philadelphia but in two thousand three tug found out he had brain cancer the word took a collective city's breath away it did in January of 2004, Tug passed away. His son, Tim, yes, the country music star, sung these words. He said, I was on in my early 40s with a lot of life before me and a moment came that stopped me on a dime. I spent most of the next days looking at the x-rays, talking about the options, talking about the sweet time. And I asked him when it sank in that this might really be the real end. How's it hit you when you get that kind of news, man? Whew, what did you do? He said, I went skydiving, I went Rocky Mountain climbing, I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu, and I loved deeper and I spoke sweeter, and I gave forgiveness I'd been denying. And he said, someday, I hope, you get the chance to live like you were dying. He said I was finally the husband That most of the time I wasn't, and I became a friend a friend would like to have. And all of a sudden, going fishing wasn't such an imposition. And I went three times that year. I lost my dad. I finally read the good book, and I took a good, long, hard look at what I'd do if I could do it all over again. I'd live like tomorrow was a gift, and you've got eternity to think about it. What'd you do with it? What could you do with it? What did I do with it? What would I do with it? Oh, man, I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. And I loved deeper and I spoke sweeter. And I watched an eagle as it was flying. And he said, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you are dying. Friends, at the end of the day, so many of the grieving... Struggling, fearful human beings filling up the landscape that you and I find ourselves in today are hanging by the very thinnest of threads. Perhaps it's even you. I urge you to love God, love neighbor, love your friends, love your enemies, and remember God's grace. My friends, know that your sins are forgiven and you have eternal life. That is is the blessing and gift that Jesus has given to us. I remind you to be kind to all of those around you, and I urge you to live and love like you are dying. Amen.